Neat. As always, I am your host, John, and with me is my co-host, Ronaldo Wombat Wombatson. That's me. Hello. Hey! Hey, so Wombat, uh, we got a we got a quick one because we've got we both have hard outs. We do. So uh what's the glowing point of your week? Um so it's 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 I had a tooth ripped out of my mouth this week. And you know, I'm still in That doesn't sound glowing. Well like it's been a painful experience. Like I'm I'm still on painkillers from it, but knowing that it's oh, gone. So that's how you're glowing. No, knowing that it's gone is the uh, glowing point of my week because uh it okay. it was like a serious infection risk and it's gone now. So that's good. Yeah. What about you, John? What's the what's the glowing point of your week? Uh, there are a bunch of little things that happened this week. Uh, so I guess I'm gonna pick out that uh went went shopping, shopped around a little bit, grabbed some some fun new things to fiddle with, and uh, yeah, just uh, just sometimes sometimes it's fun to just go shopping. Yeah, okay. I like shopping. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's it's nice when you you can do that. So John, what did you um, what did you play this week? What did I play? I played a lot this week. Yeah, um, I only see three things on this uh, this list. Yes, but I I played those three things a lot. Ah, I see. <laughs> uh, I'll I'll get the 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 short one out of the way. Uh, I played Anodyne, which I think I've played with you before. I think so too. Um, I recognize the name. We probably did it on a stream at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's a fun little Zelda-like, uh, it's kind of weird, little creepy, there's a, a, like, a meat place that you go to where it's just meat land. Meat land? And yeah, it's not a great place. Oh. I don't remember um, a meat land. But, yeah, um... So I got about as far as I got last time, and I probably won't play anymore again because it's just it's it's kind of okay, and I there see. are better things to play. Yeah. Um, tell me what you barely played this week. Okay, so this is a little bit of like more of like an update than a, a played kind of thing. Um, Tales of okay. Arise is probably only ever going to be mentioned on this podcast once in the future. <laughs> only one time i have okay. not beaten the game if i do continue playing the game i am not going to talk about it in the vein of another game that i've played recently and i have not talked about or even made vague reference to um because like in that case it's because the company that uh runs the game uh, or, or like published the game is an awful shithole of a company um uh, yeah, in this case, it's because Namco Bandai's uh, practices are... I, I just can't continue to... Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, this is my form of rebellion. I, I'm no longer going to talk about their game. Hey, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, you've, you've got a platform. Use it for or not for whatever you, you feel. It, it might be mentioned on, like, the year-end list, but beyond that... Um, that's it. We've already spoken that it won't be top of it. Yeah, it will not be. <laughs> um, 
So okay. tell me about uh, Destiny 2. Give me the uh, Destiny 2 weekly recap. I have been playing a lot of Destiny. Uh, and honestly, I've been playing things that you would not think I would play knowing me and Destiny. Has it been a lot um, of the multiplayer? Multiplayer? Yeah, it's been a lot of PvP. Yeah, the PvP, that's what um, I mean. It's all multiplayer. Yeah, I... <laughs> yeah, you... You know how I, I am not a huge fan of Gambit, and, uh... I've heard. My wife is, but... But, um... So, I've... I, this this season, because in the past, to, like, Guild Dredgen, the, the title for, for Gambit, we always wait until, like, the end of the season and, like, scramble it out. Well, I, I do. She plays throughout the season, but I don't because... I hate it. Uh, this season, I, I went ahead and told her, uh, I, I'm i willing to play three games a week. And and that's because once you play three games, you the, the third game you play, you get a, a pinnacle power drop at the end of it. So, three is the number you know, that gets you a special I'm, thing. After that point, you don't have to play yeah. it anymore. Correct. Uh, so this week started with me playing Gambit by myself. Uh, Kristen wasn't even there. Oh. <laughs> and I, I just, I played five or six rounds of, of Gambit and, uh... Have you finally seen have... what she sees in it? No. Um, but I, I really need those, those ranks to get up to, to finish things. Cause, so... All right, a little bit of background. Uh, um, to get... Uh, there, there's weekly challenges uh-huh. every season, and, and there's like 12 weeks worth of challenges, and if you get all but... You can you can skip two of them. Then there's a, a monthly challenge, which is just finish all of them, but you don't have to finish two of them. It's 75 out of the 77. Uh, challenges. If you get 75 out of the 77, then you get just a big drop of um, this resource that uh, stops you from having to pay money. It's not a paid resource, but it's they have a two ways of getting all those items. One is by you can just instantly buy it with the the paid resource, and the other is when it is offered in the store, you can get it for this other resource. And it's harder to get that resource. And this is just, like, thousands of it. Oh. So, ideally, you want to finish all the, the challenges. Yeah. And in the past, uh, three of the challenges have been, like, or one of them is get the uh, seasonal ritual weapon, which is, it's a weapon that you play Gambit Strikes and Crucible to get. And you don't have to play any of those in particular, just play you know, whichever one you prefer, and then you can get it by by doing those activities. Um, and it's just a little quest you do, and as you do activities, it, it you know, fills up the progress bar, and then you win. And then, once you have the weapon, then you can get ornaments for the weapon to make it look different. And there's an ornament for each activity. So there's a crucible ornament that makes it look crucible and there's a gambit one, and there's a strike one. And... In the past, this has just been another quest that you get that takes... You know, you can you can grind it out real quick. Uh-huh. 
this season they put the ritual weapon in the um the uh rewards you get for leveling up for each um ritual activity and it's the one you get right before you reset your reputation for that activity okay and then to get the ornament you have to basically get to that spot again oh jesus so you have to reset and then get all the way back to almost resetting again um and here's where I have a problem with that is it's a whole bunch of uh, waste of time. Three of the weekly challenges are get the ornament for blah. <laughs> so get the crucible ornament for ascendancy is the it's the ritual. Oh jeez! So you have to do um, all three of them twice. Yes. Oh, basically that's or, that's bad. Uh, and again. You don't have to, but if you want that big drop of of currency, then you got to do it. Listen, that's shady. Here's the deal. I play a lot of Destiny, and I reset my my reputation usually once per season. Maybe twice if I'm, like, really hounding something, but... Usually, I reset my infam- my my reputation for each um, uh, vendor once, and that's me who's playing a lot now. Granted, this season is six months instead of three months, so you got twice the time. It's highly likely that I will manage to do it. But you're but also I'm a person worried. with a lot of time on your hands. Yeah, and I'm really worried that this isn't just a this season thing. That it's a... Let's test uh, the the season thing, and if enough people do it, we're gonna just do it in the future. Yeah. Which, I mean, I already told um, my clan that I play with that, like, if this is the way it's continuing, me, as a, a... very very high volume player do not foresee myself ever completing the uh the seasonal challenge ever again damn because like that's a that's a lot of crucible and i don't play a lot of crucible except for this week (laughs) because you played a shit ton of crucible and gambit apparently i played i played a fuck ton of crucible um I probably played 100 to 200 matches. Jesus. Yeah, and uh, and it's Iron Banner week this week, so I played a lot of Crucible. Iron Banner is a uh, a more difficult Crucible. Yeah, mode. I think you've brought it's it up before. It's not quite competitive, and I usually I hate it because they've they they've destroyed the mode. Um, but I've played a lot of it this week. Um, gotten actually pretty good at it even with weapons that are less than stellar over here just flexing your skills yeah come at me i got over 100 kills with a sidearm oh wow this week okay (laughs) (laughs) all right 
but that's that's Destiny. Uh, we could move on from that. Hey, tell me about uh, Dreamscaper. You played that last week. Yeah, so. and I played. You know how much you played Crucible this week? Uh, I probably <laughs> that, that's that's Dreamscaper. That's Dreamscaper <laughs> for me this week. Um, last week I'd only done like a handful of runs. You know, I hadn't even beaten the second boss. Um, last night, last yeah. night I posted on our Instagram a screenshot of my first ever completed run. Uh, oh, nice! Yeah. Um, so it it only took me forty runs in order to do that. But don't be tricked because that equals a lot more time than you might think. Um, if yeah. if I look at my Steam page, I have twenty seven point two hours in the game right now um and that's 40 (laughs) runs so unlike um its most uh clear cousin hades which uh like a completed Uh run will only take you like 30 minutes in hades um a a completed run in dreamscaper can take you 45 minutes to an hour wow yeah so it, it's like a time commitment every time you want to do a run. Um, and yeah. I've been making that time commitment. Now, you can't, it does allow you to save and continue, or, or save and quit, I mean, between like levels. Yeah. Like if you beat a boss and you're going to the next level of the run, you can't save and quit and just come back later. Um, so they did, they did realize a bit what they were doing and make up for yeah. it i just don't use that feature uh, uh <laughs> okay I, i'm the kind of person who i know that if i stop in the middle of a run then i'm going to come back and i'm going to forget how to play the game and i'm going into one of more, one of the more difficult levels you know <laughs> yeah so it, it, it's been a whole lot of like sitting here for an hour to get to the boss, and then the boss, like the final boss, and then the final boss kicks my ass. <laughs> um, because the the final Oof. boss is called Loss, and the way that they chose to represent that thematically is that at the start of the fight, it steals your ranged weapon from you. Um, oh, yeah, and then halfway through the fight. It spits your ranged weapon back out, but it steals your melee weapon, uh, which yeah. is actually better because uh, melee builds are worthless in this game. Um, stealing the ranged <laughs> weapon is a much bigger hit. So if you can get past the first half, you can usually uh, l- like beat the boss. It's just getting past that first half is rough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but... Like, like, I've had a few runs where it's like, oh, this is going really well. Like, I have a really good setup here. I, I think I can do that. And then I, I fucking get destroyed by and loss. And you lose. Just <laughs> utterly destroyed by loss. Um, All right. Yeah. But it's a really fun hey, game. Hey, but you succeeded. I, I have succeeded once. Um, the game has now told me that if I want to see the true ending to the game, then I need to max out my friendship with all of my real-world friends. Um, so, I, oh. I might do that. I might not, you know. 
I mean, we've already met in person, so I mean, you got me down. Uh, <laughs> just gotta gotta figure. <laughs> yeah, no, real world in the game. The game's real world. Oh, yeah, the the fake real the, world yeah. games. Because the you know you go into <laughs> the the dream world in order to play the game. Um, yeah. yeah, and then you wake up and you talk to all your friends and they give you little boosts if you have them in, as an influence. Um, and I mean, I'm close to okay. rank eight with a bunch of them. Um, so it, it wouldn't be too much trouble to get to that point. It's just like, do I care? Yeah. Which I might. Like, I'm still going to play it a little bit can, going forward, but whether or not I get to that point, who knows? Yeah. Uh, so tell me about okay. Castlevania the, the, Circle of the Moon. Yeah, we both have remakes on our, um, or re-releases on our our list. Yeah, we do. Uh, I I've I've been playing the um I, I picked up the Castlevania Advance collection. I saw that on Steam on just Switch. just recently, and I was like, ooh, I didn't know that was a thing that was coming out. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a recent release. I I still wish they would finally re-release um Symphony of the Night, right. but they haven't it is it is um, stranded yeah <laughs> uh, uh it is stranded on uh, ps1 and psp if you can find it on the dracula x chronicles correct yeah it's, <laughs> it's hard to find the the psp version and also i don't have a psp well no even if you get uh, dracula x up... chronicles on psp it's hard to find it within the game oh yeah it's like hidden it's it's yeah. hidden Okay. Yep. Um, so these are all games that I've played before outside of, um, uh, I can't remember which, Dracula X. I've, I've never played Dracula X. Um, okay. But, uh, I've, I've played, it, it comes with Circle of the Moon, Harmony of Dissonance, Aria of Sorrow and Dracula X. And so you said I'm going to play the, the one of these that is considered not canon to the rest of the series. Oh, is Circle of the Moon non-canon? It is. It is not considered canon. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, it's the only one of um, the uh, Game Boy Advance games that that is not considered canon. Okay. Yep. Uh, I don't know what what conflicts with it i don't but. know either but you're also the only person to pick up this re-release and not immediately play aria of sorrow oh i mean like i'm, I'm saving the best for last <laughs> uh aria of sorrow is the first uh castlevania metroidvania game that i've played it's a, it's the first for a lot of people um, because I had played a lot of Metroidvanias before, and I had played several Castlevanias before, but this is the first of the good ones right. that I, I played. And it's it's really good. Yeah, it's um, one of the best. Yeah, but yeah, I'm saving that for last. I see. Um, I'll, I'll go down them chronologically, um, uh, except for Dracula X. I don't know when I'm going to hit that up, because I don't think it's even a Metroidvania. It's not. Yeah, so I might not play Dracula X just because it, it, it's in the bad genre. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm not a fan of it either. Yeah, 
So, but, so what about a uh, Circle um, of the Moon? How's it been treating you? So, it's fun. It's a fun game. Um, it it has a really frustrating uh, mechanic where um, everything that is every item in the game is a drop. So it it is a uh, outside of like the the mystic items that you get to actually progress through the Metroidvania. Um, like double jump, those are at the end of bosses. But every other item, potions, antidotes, armor, everything like that, is a drop from particular enemies. And that's entirely based on your luck, and uh, which is a, a stat in-game, and it's just a random chance that you get it, and it's all low. Oh, so, uh, for the first, like, half of the game so far that I've played, like, hours, uh, have, I've gotten two potions. Oof. Yeah, two, two healing items Oof. throughout the entirety. Now, you heal when you go into, uh, save rooms and stuff. Right. So, the game is a little bit of a, uh, save room to save room, uh, <laughs> progression i mean a lot of um, these are though these metroidvanias yeah and and circle of the moon uh is is not great about its save room placements oh no uh i remember the first time playing it just cussing it out because they put them at the end of really long stretches that you just there's no save zone in sight um uh, is there any and, point where they're yeah. like not even close to the boss that they're supposed to be for? Like, no, no, they're they're usually within a room or two away. Okay, at least uh, they didn't if do it's that. two, it's usually like small rooms. Yeah, um, usually they're like right outside or yeah. So this is one of those but, games that it just has a long time between bosses. Also, yeah. It does. There's a lot of empty space. But uh, it's got some really cool um, mechanics with the, the dual setup system, which there's like 16 cards, and you combine an element card with a, uh, a different card, and it does a thing. So, like, if you do Mars and one of the elements, um, Mars transforms your weapon. So... It, it makes it so that your whip is now, like, a flaming sword, or an ice sword, or uh, a, a rock hammer. Um, so, things like that, um, which is really, really cool. Another one just gives your whip an element, so you have a flaming whip now, or a poison whip. Um, one of them gives you, like, straight stat increases, uh, so... You know, you you combine this and this, and now you have plus twenty five percent strength, oh. or plus twenty five percent luck, which is the one I use the most. And then there's some funky ones that are like uh, within that that are like it gives you a percentage increase in strength based off of how much of the world you've explored at this point. So like okay. the percentage of the map that you have revealed right. is the percentage increase in damage. Oh um, shit! So. So it can almost yeah. never be a hundred percent. You can never just have twice the damage. 
I mean, you can if you're fighting Dracula. Right, if you're beating the but, game. But it's it's still, like, after after a quarter of the way through the game, it's better than the other version, which is just 25%. I mean, that's true. This will be 26%. But it does cost more mana. So when you turn on these um, the this, the dual setup system, it it starts taking mana. So some depending on how it is. So if it's like a you know the the fire sword or the fire whip or something, it costs you mana per attack. And then other things like the plus twenty five percent damage costs mana over time. So you know one will be like it costs you six mana per attack and then the other is like costs you four mana over time or 20 mana over time for the you know percent of map revealed right because that one potentially is more powerful uh then there's the really powerful ones where you can summon like a a creature that covers the screen and and deals damage to everything on it and that costs like 200 mana but to get these cards, the the action and attribute cards, uh, you have to kill enemies and get it to drop. And aside from like the first two or three, which you get from enemies that are just all over the place in the beginning, they are like a two percent drop chance <laughs> from like this one enemy in this one place. Uh, three of them, no, four of them, I think are you have to kill these one enemies um it's like there's there's um the i think it's like nightmare angel or something fallen angel fallen angel there is one fallen angel in the game it is right outside of the battle arena which is the hardest part of the game uh and it's not required so you don't have to encounter her at all. Uh, she's right outside of it, and she has an incredibly small chance to drop a card. She is the only one of her type in the game, and she is the only one who drops that card. I mean, Aria of Sorrow has the- some stuff like that too. Like there's the there's the very famous like worm in a hole in the ground, um, inside a yeah. secret room that like it's the yeah. only one of its kind, and it has a low chance of dropping it. Um, yeah. But are, um, are you saying there's like more of these than usual? There there's four or five. I see. And, and then items are the same way. So there's there's the the best two armors in the game, the shinning armor, which is supposed to be shining but they misspelled it. Uh is the best and to get it you have to beat the uh battle arena which requires you to be at a higher level than it takes to beat the game. Um and the uh, and and that's the only way of getting that. And then the dark armor, which only drops from Lilum, which is a uh, monster that appears in a room uh, that you've probably already been to. It's a secret room. You have to break a, a random wall to get to it. Um, it has a power up in it. Uh, but <laughs> the monster only spawns after you've defeated a certain boss. That is after the point that you'd be in this area. Oh, Jesus. So you wouldn't even know to go and, back to do it. Correct. And there's there's three other enemies like that, that each spawn after you've defeated a particular boss in a previous boss's room. 
and two of those drop cards, and the other one drops the the luck charm or luck ring or something, which is the highest luck giving item in the game. Uh, the two that drop cards in in boss rooms. Uh, so again, you have to go back to a boss room that you've already beaten, which there is literally no reason to do. It's not on the path to anything. It is off the 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 beaten ground. You have to specifically know to go to these places and once you get there it's a mimic candle so there's candles in the room this one is one that mimics looking at it it's it's different but you have to know to look at it and then once you strike it you have approximately one real-time second to kill it uh and they have 150 to 200 health, and at the point I'm at, uh, which is, uh, I think, I think I have one more boss before Dracula. Wow. Yeah, I have, I have one more boss before Dracula. And, and you can't kill it in um, one second yet. Correct. Uh, I, I deal 50 damage-ish oh, per strike. Wow. Thir- 30 to 50, depending on, on what upgrades i have and how many strikes can you get in in that second uh maybe two maybe so you need to effectively double your damage output yes now you can kill it by uh using the clock uh item the the stopwatch oh yeah so sort of like how you have the dagger and the holy water and stuff there's also the stopwatch which slows enemies yeah so that allows me to kill them, but it's still like a 2% chance for the card to drop. Right. And so <laughs> you have to kill, and then you have to leave the room and come back and kill it again. And do that over and over and over until you finally get it. Uh-huh. And this is why I appreciate the Castlevania Advance Collection, because it allows you to cheat. Oh, does it? Because... It is an emulation of it, and it allows you to, like, th- there's there's a, a secondary menu you can go to that allows you to, like, save and reload and, like, listen to music, the, the, the soundtracks in the games. Uh, it has, like, the encyclopedia for the games, so uh, you can look up what enemies drop what cards and what items and and what the cards are and how how they you know what what they do when combined oh that's convenient very useful but also they have a rewind button oh so so you get to the the guy you kill the guy you rewind you kill the guy you rewind you kill the guy so I've killed some of these guys more than 200 times before getting it to drop. Jesus. Yeah. And that's with me, like, getting, like, doing all the damage I can and then switching my loadout to give me, like, plus 25% luck and switching all of my gear to, to be luck gear. And then doing the final blow. And it still takes forever. So, fun game. I enjoy it. It's got some problems. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Tell me about your your remaster. Okay, so Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne. Um, it came out as a remaster, kind of like... Um, it, it, it's very clearly like in preparation for uh, Shin Megami Tensei 5 coming out next month. Um, like, like bring, a, bring a little bit of a, attention back to the series. Um, it's yeah. still just as good as it was on the PS2. It's it's so good. It's um, the the game starts off with the end of the world, and it only gets bleaker from there. Um, <laughs> it's really good. Uh, the the big difference between like the PS2 version and and this new one is not really in the game. Like, there's DLC for the game, which I I, I wish wasn't there. But, you know what? It's not microtransactions, so there's that. Uh, yep. <laughs> um, so the game initially, like, it, it uses Raido Kuzunoa from uh, the Raido Kuzunoa games on the PS2 in place of Dante. Yeah. Um, because, you know, it used to feature Dante from the Devil May Cry series. I'm aware yeah. <laughs> it had the seal. Um. But it puts Raido Kuzunoa in there instead, by default. But you can buy Dante to put him back in the game if you want to play it that way. They have essentially the same move sets, um, just with different names. So it doesn't really matter which one is in there. It, it, it's really just your preference. So I, I kind of get why he's just paid. Like, like it 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 doesn't matter. You're just doing this for aesthetics. Yeah. Um. The one that I actually spent money on is, uh, there's a pack that gives you access to two different dungeons. And these dungeons, when you go in them, the enemies drop items that, um, increase the amount of experience you can get and increase the amount of money you can get. Uh, or, or like items that just give you straight money and experience, rather. Um... And I bought this because I wanted to quickly get to level 18 to fuse a certain demon in preparation for the infamous Matador fight. Yeah. yeah uh, from, from level 15. So I was like, well, I could just run around and grind. Or, oh, wait, they have DLC? Be, uh, uh, because like I was Googling like the best places to level before matador and i i read that there was this fucking dlc thing mm -hmm. and so i got it and i got to level 18 within like 10 minutes from level 15 which if you know shin megami tensei that would have otherwise been hours of grinding Ugh. yeah um but Ugh. also there's free dlc which gives you access to a merciful difficulty. Um, I, I didn't know this existed either. Like, like, they allow you to play the game on easy mode now if you just want to experience the story. Nice. Yeah, it is really nice. Like, that made up for it. That made up for it to me was them giving you this ability. In a game that is infamously yeah. hard and, like... A lot of people are like, like the get good types who play it, you know. Um, some people yeah. just want to see the story because it is a good story, and 
Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's nice that they included that. Uh, other than that, I haven't actually beaten Matador yet. Uh, I, I got to level 18, and I saved... And I was like, I'm going to beat Matador in the morning when I wake up after I write the thing for the podcast. And then I didn't do either of those things. So. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Listen, listen. I had a tooth ripped out of my face this week. Uh, You you keep bringing that up. I'm I'm dead on painkillers. Yeah. But it, it was it was a good it was a good game. I'm going to keep playing it until probably Shin Megami Tensei 5 comes out, and then I'm going to hop on that. Okay. Cool. Cool. Game facts. Game facts. Uh, So what inspired you to write about this one, John? (laughs) I mean, it's just such an interesting game. I mean, it's it's the first game that Michael Jordan was ever in. That's right. This game is Jordan versus Bird one on one. Okay. Uh, Jordan versus Bird one on one is a basketball game developed by Garth Hitchens and Mark Madland at EA for the Atari, DOS, C sixty four, Game Boy, Sega Genesis, and the NES. They overextended themselves. <laughs> they threw it everywhere. Yeah. Um also they have two of the most interesting names I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> yeah, it's I don't know what it is about them, but like really they're Garth Hitchens they're super interesting names. And Mark Madland. M- yeah. You know, he's just a mad lad. Those cool names. Yeah. <laughs> two other people are credited with with development of the game. Larry Bird and Michael Jordan, who have lengthy tips in the manual on the game. It is uncertain whether they actually had any hand in development of the game, as the tips in the manual reference moves not actually permitted in-game. What, what does that mean? Like, illegal basketball moves? No, like, they, they mentioned doing, like, oh, you do a false step this way and a fake jump to do this thing. Those aren't... Those aren't things you can input into the game. <laughs> like they're, they're just not moves that can be done. So it 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 almost seems like they just watched an interview of Michael Jordan and Larry Bird after one of their matches and just wrote down all they could hear from from the the interviewer asking how they won <laughs> and then put it in. So I. I'm not a basketball guy. Um, I know Michael Jordan. I don't know Larry Bird. Is he considered, like, as great as Michael Jordan? Well, that that was the great rivalry, is that that Larry Bird was basically the the previous um, Michael Jordan. Oh, I see. And they... So... Like Larry Bird ruled the the roost, and then it was it was Michael Jordan with with the Chicago Bulls coming in and pushing on him, and and Larry Bird is a a shooter, and Michael Bur- uh, Michael Jackson or Michael Jordan, <laughs> <laughs> fuck, uh, Michael Jordan is a uh, a slammer. Okay. So, yeah, they they're just different approaches to it, but both like top of the their 
their respective careers. Like, incredible athletes. I see. All right. In-game, you play as either Michael Jordan at the time with the Chicago Bulls or Larry Bird at the time with the Boston Celtics. Or is it Celtics? No, you were right the okay. first time. I was I was hoping you wouldn't mess up, and then you, you second-guessed yourself. Uh, like, I thought it was Celtics, but then I'm like, isn't it sometimes pronounced Celtic? Like... <laughs> I mean, they, this this team is the Celtics. They are the only thing that is ever properly referred to as Celtics. Everything else is Celtic. Okay. Yeah, because I'm like, like it should be Celtic. The, it, it's the same way that like the, yes. the school uh, Notre Dame or, or no, uh, yeah. yeah, they're they're Notre wrong, Dame, but 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 pronouncing it. That's the correct way to pronounce them specifically. Yeah. Uh, here, here in Atlanta, we have Ponce de Leon. That is the correct pronunciation of that. Not Ponce de Leon, but Ponce de Leon. Ponce de Leon. Um, Jesus. Uh, it, but you play as either of them in a one-on-one versus the opposite character, controlled either as a computer or by another player. Uh, the game was very widely released, getting ported to many consoles, as we heard earlier, but did not actually perform well despite this, with it being typically reviewed below average and now being listed on top 10 worst games lists. Gee, it's that... It's considered that bad? Yeah. Oh, wow. Which, I don't... I don't know, like, how it was so, like, mainstream popular, just because it, it it's it's bad. Oh, you've played it? I haven't played it. I watched several videos because something we'll find out later. Uh, the the ports to different um, consoles are very different. Um, like they have the same sort of mechanics, uh, but graphically they're 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 very different and some of them are just like the Commodore sixty four version is just utter dog shit <laughs> <laughs> I, I watched multiple versions of it and that and one's the worst just oof oof yeah okay despite being marked as number seven of the worst sega sega genesis games the graphics for that version were significantly better than all the others with the commodore 64 version being the absolute worst and the nes and game boy ver- versions being identical to each other albeit uncolored for the game boy of course this proves that Sega did what Nintendo didn't. You you had to. You had to. Yeah. Yeah. I did. Honestly, the Sega one looks really good. Like the 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 Genesis one looks like uh, like a Super Nintendo or or maybe like early N64 game. I mean in terms of graphics. Yeah, I mean, I'm guessing it's it's number seven on the list because it just plays so awfully. Yeah, well, because, yeah, the, the game itself is trash. <laughs> um. The NES port was given to the young and small studio Rare, and the music was composed by none other than David Weiss, who we, of course, know from California Games and his later stint defining Donkey Kong music forever. They, they gave it to Rare? Yeah. Wait, I thought they Rare did the port. I thought, what what does that mean? Rare did the port. Did they like have to remake the game from the ground up? Like 
No, they had to, because because every <laughs> every console had a different underlying chipset right. and everything. They they had to basically uh, rewrite portions of it to fit on a different cartridge and and you know fit into the architecture of the the new console. I see. And and you had to do that for every single system. Okay. We say he he composed the music, even for a port, because every single release of the game has its own unique soundtrack, with the Commodore 64 one even including voice acting for its menu, although no music for during the game itself. Oof. Yeah, uh, it was actually... I, I was I was impressed because I was I was looking up the music because I saw David Wise was involved and there was a a side by side of all the versions of the game and it started with the Commodore 64 one and I got really pumped because it was like playing music and then then halfway through and one on one and I went whoa they got voices in this and then it got to the game and it was like beep they spent all of their space <laughs> on the voices. Oh, yeah. yeah. Bad oh. design. Bad design. <laughs> but, it, I mean, that that intro is stellar. Uh, and then just... <laughs> Gar- Garth Hitchens also worked on Pharaoh's Revenge, a puzzle platformer similar to Load Runner and had a previous stint at Synergistic Software five years earlier, but Archimedes was unable to find anything confirmed or developed by him. Yeah. Garth later left the game development world to work for Microsoft, before leaving to develop software and navigational devices for boats and other maritime purposes. So he just, he went in a completely other direction. Yeah, and I think that's what he initially wanted to do anyways, was, like, back-end stuff, and and I don't know how he, he got to boats and stuff, but he, he mostly worked on, like, back-end software as opposed to the front-end. Okay. Uh, Mark Madland stuck around with, the, with game design, developing several more sports games before switching over to producing all the Need for Speed games. Yep. Even to this day? I think so. He's the producer on all the Need for Speed games. Yeah. Okay. And it's it's really funny because he made like seven garbage sports games for, for really old consoles. And then the next thing on his, his credited list is Need for Speed. <laughs> so... So he's behind the best racing As game of all, all time, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit 2. Yeah. Correct. Actually, that that is one I specifically saw on okay. the list. I was like, nice, because that, that was a great that is, game. That, I, I, that game. I was not joking when I said it's the best racing game. No, it <laughs> is. <laughs> that, that game is really fucking good. It is. <laughs> The real reason we picked this game is because Captain N had to help Hoopless, a Steve Urkel parody, sink a basket in Hoopland on Hoop de Doo Da Day, which would grant him a wish to get taller, and eventually had to ask Larry Bird himself to help out. Yes, that's a lot of hoops, and the word hoop is spoken 32 times across the 11-minute episode. 
That's like two and a half times yeah. per minute. <laughs> don't link it to me. I don't need it right now. <laughs> don't worry. That's just a compilation of every single time Hoop is spoken. <laughs> Although it does miss one. That's only 31 of the 32. Should I, should I edit the audio into the podcast so people can hear it? <laughs> no. <laughs> but we'll probably post it to uh, Instagram. Can, can you post YouTube uh, videos to Instagram? I mean, we can post a link to it. Okay. <laughs> but uh, that was Game Facts. That was... You know, John got his Captain N reference. No, no mention of, no mention of the fact that Larry Bird was on Captain N. Wow. I mean, uh, again, I just recently learned who Larry Bird is. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> fair. It, it would have been more exciting to it's me also if they not got actually Larry Bird. It, it would have been more exciting to me if they got Michael Jordan. Yeah, yeah Michael Jordan would have done it. You know, he was in Space Jam. He, he might. He have. was in Space Jam. <laughs> he. He might very well have, yeah. yeah. Uh. Okay. Alright, it's time for the thing of the week. It is. Uh we're we're gonna talk about our um our light novel that we read. It's light novel book club. Um Reborn as a vending machine, I now wander the wander the dungeon. Number two. Yep. Um, and I got part way through the recap, and then uh, was not able to do any more because we had to start sooner than I was expecting. So let's go. Yep. <laughs> vending machine. Well, not particularly uh, sooner than you expected, but I swear to God, we we <laughs> talked about doing this at two. <laughs> I feel like we just had a miscommunication last night. Like we were ha- we were talking about two different times for stuff. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Uh. So, vending machine two starts with a flashback to the days of Lamus's youth. We learned she was a rebellious child, blessed with might even back when she was a simple farm girl, and would often sneak out of the village to go fishing. She and Hulami were friends even then, and they spent their days in peace. We rejoined Boxo in the immediate aftermath of the previous book, still in the ruins, but now accompanied by Lamus, Director Bear, and the Menagerie of Fools. Lamus is... Alright, hold up. You're gonna mention that that in the flashback they don't... You're not gonna talk about the fact that it the flashback ends with, like, alarm bells going off and and bad things happening? Does it? Yeah. No, it doesn't. <laughs> they don't. They yeah, it does. They don't. They don't go into what happened. Uh, but they do mention that they're like alarm bells are going off, and they think, "Oh no, they've caught us sneaking out." Um. Um. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking through it. No, it doesn't. Oh, is that the flashback? Later yeah, it's on? the flashback later. There's on. like three flashbacks in here. Yeah, it's the one that they talk about later, um, because okay, okay, yeah, okay, ignore yeah. me, carry on. <laughs> but it, it it does end with her her like maybe hearing Boxo's voice in her dream, like n- not his uh vending machine voice, but like le- like 
maybe his his like person voice. Yeah, it, it's weird. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, they they're accompanied by Lamus, director Bear, and the Menagerie of Fools. Lamus is clearly affected by Boxo's kidnapping and refuses to leave his side, even when they get back to the village. Halemi starts to distract her away from Boxo eventually, so he can finally make some sales. And during one of his interactions with his customers, Boxo starts to sell flowers as gifts and gives one to Lamus. Now that Halemi has joined them in the village, she decides to continue running her experiments on Boxo, though her questions quickly verge into personal territory. It is immediately obvious that she's fallen for Boxo, though Boxo is too dense to realize it. Hulemi comes back one day with a magic item that allows you to hear the souls of those nearby, but it doesn't work on Boxo, and she ends up just hearing the lecherous thoughts of nearby Karyos. Which, also... And then herself. Yeah, and also herself. Also, this this book did put an end to our, our fan theory that Karyos and Gorth were uh, gay for each other. Yeah. Like, which is sad. Like I wish they had gone that route. But... Yeah. R.I.P. Karyos and I mean, Gorth. They could they could be by. They could be by. They, they could be gay. I mean, they could really, be bi. It, it it only puts an end to Karyos's side. Gorth could still be gay for Karyos. That's, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> Which I mean, good for him. Uh, Boxo is next roped into the local restaurant owner's battle with the Chains Restaurant, a franchise that pops up on any dungeon floor they think will make them enough money, shutting down local restaurants in the process. Boxo provides the local owners recipe ideas and sells them some ingredients on sale, and they run promotions during the first few weeks of chains being open. They manage to run interference on their opening business enough to run the franchise out of town. Uh, okay, so at this point, I, I have to say, though, this... Th the first book also, like, jumped from thing to thing very quickly, yes. but this one felt a lot less focused in the first half. I'll agree with that. Like, like it, every chapter is some brand new thing, and it's like, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this now? What, what, what? Can we just keep a single thread going? Yeah, and also, this one one thing that this book does a little bit less well than the previous ones is in the in the previous book, every ability that he got was something that he got in a page like he he, he mentioned yes. thinking about getting this thing and then he gets it and then he has it and in this one he, he multiple times switches to things and is like ah i have this thing that i've purchased previously i'm going to switch to it and you go what when did you get that I, when did you why get did that? you get yeah, that why when and why did you get that that it doesn't even make sense as a thing to have got I don't... Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Now, it it, it does even out in the second half of the book, I think. Which we're about... I mean, not just about to get into, but in a, in a moment going to get into. Like, the... Yeah. The second half of the book has more of that, which is what I enjoyed about the first book. Yes. Yeah. Although, like, the... His deus ex machina to get to be safe, as we'll get into, uh, is is just a whole bunch of just pulling shit yeah, out of his we'll, ass that he never. We'll talk about that in a moment. We'll, we'll, <laughs> um, 
<laughs> but uh, Captain Cariel comes to Boxo with a proposal that uh, he and Lamis join the Menagerie of Fools. And Lamis is actually keen to do that. Uh, because, like, she doesn't want to stick around the the village, like, forever. Um, she is intent on killing the person who attacked their village. Which is back to the, uh, the flashback you were talking about before. Like, it's not really a flashback so much as it is, like, her and Hulaimi talking about when their village was attacked. Like, right after that flashback at the beginning of the, uh, book. Yeah. And her parents and pretty much all of the other villagers were killed. And Lamis is convinced there was a person heading up the monster attack. And, and she wants to kill them. Yep. So that's her reason for joining with the uh, Menagerie of Fools. Although they don't do that right away because they have to waste some time um, with Suori. Um. <laughs> uh, I, I thought this was like the yeah. most pointless part of the book because they've already they've already decided to go with the menagerie menagerie of fools and then they spend two chapters um pre- with Boxo pretending to be Hulaimi's invention and Hulaimi pretending to be Suori's personal magic item engineer in order to impress this other rich girl who has challenged her, I guess, and the way that people challenge, like rich people challenge each other in this world, is they hold like like magic item show offs. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, and and it's it doesn't Boxo doesn't need to exist here. No. Um. Like they they do a show off thing of magical items and they're they're pretending that Boxo is a magical item which he isn't because he's alive, right? Um, and also they're pretending that uh, Hulaimi is the creator of Boxo, which again she isn't. Uh, so it's it's just a a bunch of lies. And I honestly thought Hulaimi um, was the kind of person who wouldn't take credit for things like i thought she would be more principled than that yeah and then it doesn't even matter like boxo's entrance into this thing doesn't matter because he's never even seen by anybody correct like he 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 functionally doesn't exist in this entire story um and like hulami has to save someone from a kind of a homunculus right that's the important part of the story is that like putting human souls into magic items usually just ends up with the human soul going insane and trying to kill everyone around them. That's the important part of yeah. the, this um, little section here. Yeah, but but I don't under I don't know exactly how it's important either. Well, I think it's important like, to I understand. Guess, I guess sort of from like. Boxo is technically a human soul in an item. But I, d- I don't think it's quite that cut and dry because he's not in an item. He is an item. Right. Like, he, he it's, it's less of a he's a soul being forced into a created thing. It is, he is a living creature that happens to have the form of 
this item. And, and I think this section is more <laughs> for the other characters than it is for us, the reader. Because we understand that he's not like a human soul that's been put into an item. Like, he's a he's a soul that yeah. has been reborn as an item. Um, yeah. But but this helps them under understand, like, more of the nature of what Boxo is. But it does nothing for us as the reader. I, I agree with that. Yeah. 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 And, yeah, and it's... Hulemi runs in and solves it because, of course, she can instantly. And then the problem's gone. Right. And then everyone's just super excited because Hulemi's there and she's a big deal. And then Boxo just doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was... I mean, it was well written. I enjoyed reading it. It was a dumb chapter. Two chapters. Yeah, it, it really was. It, it wasn't. It wasn't good. And, and then there's another chapter afterward. Like they spend so much time after deciding to go with the menagerie of fools, just dicking around town. Because the next chapter is um, there's a spooky woman in red who comes up to Boxo every night. What? What was that? <laughs> I forgot about that one. I I forgot. I heard about a that. reaction this there, and the... I was like, "What just happened?" That's uh, I'm trying to remember. Is is that Karyos's? Yeah, uh, Karyos's girlfriend. girlfriend. Yeah. Oh, and that that gets right. Annoying. There's a there's a creepy woman in red who comes up to Boxo every night after Karyos and Gorth have gone on to guard duty. Um. And she's really just stalking Karyos, um, because yeah, the the whole creepy part of it ends up being nothing because she's just a person, um, and, and like Boxo ends up setting her up with Karyos, and then her and Karyos become the absolute most annoying couple that you've ever met in your whole life. The ones who, like, he's yeah. going out to his normal job out on the, you know, I'm going out to the checkpoint, uh, I'll see you in a bit. And she's like, oh, how will I ever live without you in my life? No, you hang up first. Right. <laughs> no, I love you more. No, I love you more. Those people. They're those people. Yep. In my, my very first relationship, I had a lot of those tendencies, but so did, you know, the girl I was with, and goodness, I'm so glad that everyone involved moved past that. Right. Um, it's embarrassing for Karyos to be like that when he's probably in, like, his mid-30s. Like, that's yeah. the impression I get from him, is the mid-30s. Yeah. Maybe maybe early thirties at the at the, the youngest. Like I could, I yeah, I could see him being like thirty. But he's not in his twenties. He's he's not a he's no. not a young young man. No, and, he's and, not. And, which makes this so much more embarrassing. Yeah, <laughs> and, and Gorth himself Ugh. is also just like. This is the worst. I'm happy for my friend, but this is the worst. <laughs> Uh, obviously yeah, not saying I, that I much, but... I appreciate Boxo's um, combating Karyos and, and Red Dress Girl's 
disgusting. Oh yeah, love. That, that that's another thing is they <laughs> never give her a name. Like she is an unnamed character. Yeah. That's how unimportant this is to the plot. <laughs> is they do not bother. But I, I really. I really appreciate because it it's like, oh, you want hot soup? Well, I need you to shut the fuck up. So here's ice cold right. soup. Deal with it. Fuck you. Not even, not even just like lukewarm <laughs> soup, like the machine wasn't on. He chills the soup. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Oh. Uh. Um. And after that, they finally start going with the menagerie of fools. They're they're on a mission. To go um, check out what the crocodiles are doing on this this uh, level of the dungeon, right? Because every every dungeon has three different races or something. I think I think and... there's multiple. Like it's not necessarily three, but this one has three, and like they're kept in balance by yeah. each other. So yeah, we we dealt with the snake and the toads last time, so figures there's probably something wrong with. Crocodiles. Right, because there's like there's like no frogs anymore because we killed most of them, um, and, and then the the snake the, there was a giant fucking snake and I don't know what that was about. Uh, yeah, that yeah. happened. That was like le- less than a chapter in the previous book, and I'm expected to remember it. I don't remember it. I didn't remember it was a giant snake. Well. Because cause the vending machine, Boxer didn't even kill it. it was, no, he wasn't even around when it, it happened. It was killed by... Yeah, it was killed by the, the townspeople because it wrecked yeah. the town. Um, which is only now basically rebuilt. Yeah. Anyway, they're going uh, they're going to investigate the crocodiles and um, Halemi, Lamis, and Boxo are all going with them. Halemi has decided to come along because reasons. Um, I think it's that she has knowledge about, like, like more knowledge about the biology and ecology of these animals yeah. and stuff. She, she's a smart person. She knows about the dungeon right. just in general. So, but, like, it, it, it's kind of like her magic item engineer status has been extrapolated to just, I am the smart person. I know all the things. Yep. Um, but they go, they go along with the menagerie of fools and we finally learn like what their, their whole deal is. And it's that apparently there's a whole bunch of dungeons all over the world. Um, and this is just one level inside of one of them. And if you reach the bottom of the dungeon, then you're supposed to be granted a wish. Um, if you have certain coins with you, like there's a boss monster on every level of the dungeon. And when you kill that boss monster, it drops a coin. And if you take that coin to the bottom of the dungeon it came from, then whatever's at the bottom of the dungeon will grant you a wish. So they want to gather yeah. up enough coins for their entire group. Minus two, because two, two groups of people have the same wish. Um, I think it's Carry Oil and the Vi- Filmina, the vice captain, have the same wish, and then the twins, Red yeah, and White, so. have the same wish. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then adding Boxo and Lamis, um, they get their own wishes. I guess they didn't count Hulami in that group, so I guess she's not supposed to be like 
actually part of the menagerie at this point. Yeah, she's she's not a part of the menagerie. She's just tagging right. along. But because I noticed, I, I thought it was weird when they said they need like six coins. I'm like, what about Hulami? Does she not get anything? But I guess like she's just tagging along for right now. That she hasn't been like officially invited to the thing. Yeah. Um. But they get to the crocodiles and they plan out like a a form of attack, and things immediately go to shit when they realize that the <laughs> the boss monster has been reborn on this floor, and it's with the crocodiles. It's one of the crocodiles. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, so basically, it's it's too much for the the menagerie to face on their own, uh, and they're not even supposed to. This is really just supposed to be a uh, a uh, go out and see what's out there mission. Yeah, like recon. And yeah, and so um, they all start running. They back. book it the fuck out of there. Um, and Lamus yeah. has been knocked out. This yes. is important. Because of what happens immediately afterwards. Because Lamus has been knocked out, um, Boxo tells them to leave him behind, and he'll stall the boss monster. Um, And Carry Oil is reluctant to do so, but does it. And so Boxo stays behind and, like, distracts the monster, and he attempts to fight it a little bit. And it doesn't go well, and he just gets eaten. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then he uses science. And then he uses science to kill the crocodile from inside. Um, yeah, he he uses detergent to uh, counteract the acids, which creates a, a uh, flammable gas. And then he, uh, since he has a microwave, he puts a can and a towel into the microwave which causes sparks and then the towel gets launched on or caught on fire and then uh boom yep he blows it up from the inside um but in the course of fighting this monster they've created like a fissure in the in the the dungeon um and boxo when he like the the boss despawns around him essentially and he is left on top of the fissure as it opens up, and he plummets down into the next level, which is a giant maze that he can see below him. Yeah. Uh, and this is the point where we talk about the bullshit thing that he does. Um, because normally what would happen is he would plummet to the ground and take so much damage that he would die. Yeah? Yeah. Uh yeah, but instead, he activates his force field, um, becomes a balloon vending machine, which I gotta be honest, I didn't know was a thing. Yeah. Um, and he puts out a whole bunch of balloons into his force field, but obviously, a whole bunch of balloons aren't going to keep a big ass vending machine afloat. <laughs> vending machine. Yeah. So he becomes a cardboard vending machine which if i if i remember which, right if i understand it correctly is essentially just like a thing he made as a kid yeah it's it's a thing kids make to pretend that they have a vending machine or you know right 
and I, I guess to learn he's experienced it before so he can turn into it but that's stupid as right. fuck also also this is one of the things that they're like oh yeah by the way I have a balloon vending machine and also oh yeah I have a, a, a cardboard vending machine why do you have a cardboard vending machine why is that something you would well, purchase it, that one he did purchase like while he was falling um, but the v- balloon vending machine, yeah, he didn't, he already had it. And I'm like, why? For what purpose did you have a balloon vending machine? Yeah. Um, but he, he falls down and he lands safely because of bullshit. Um, but now he's stranded in the middle of a labyrinth. But fortunately, because, uh, one of the things he got last book is a camera, uh, and he fell from above he now has a picture of the entire yes. thing. So it's a solved it maze. It is a solved maze. So as long as somebody can come across him, he can get out of here. But the first people who come across him are this race of uh, Tasmanian devil people. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> who don't think well. <laughs> um, no, yeah. they don't. They're... <laughs> They're very, they're very low they're, IQ. They're so dense. Uh, <laughs> like, like uh, he's constantly giving them things, like, like as they're talking about, oh, I would like to eat some food. And he's like, here, have some tasty meat, because I know you're a kind of animal that loves to eat meat. And they're like, oh, yay, tasty meat. I wonder why this is here. Huh. I wonder. I wonder why this vending machine keeps yeah. saying welcome in, like, the weirdest circumstances. Yeah, there, there's, uh, like, three chapters of just frustration as they are too dense to figure literally anything out. Alive. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's rough going. It's rough going. Yeah. Uh, so there are various times where the um, Tasmanian devils are attacked and... Um, the boxo fights off the the attackers. Well, but they never see that um, because they keep running away. Yeah, and so eventually, because they're they're constantly hungry and it's relatively cheap to purchase from boxo, um, they decide to bring drag boxo with them, and he puts wheels on himself because he can just do that, right? And uh, they uh, they pull him through the labyrinth and. Then they meet the final boss, I think, right? Um, no, no. They they meet the the like mini yeah boss the little sort of like there the boss of this floor is like a giant skeleton man, um, and like the sign that he's going to appear is like giant flaming skeleton. It, yeah, the flames yeah. are important, and the sign that he's going to appear is like a, an enemy that's just a flaming skull, um. And if you don't kill it quickly enough, it summons the boss on top of you. Yeah. So he gives them waters that they can put out the fire on the yeah. skull. So uh, they they progress a little further, and then, uh, wow, it's the Menagerie of Fools who've come down and to Director help Bear. with Director Bear and Karyos and, and Gorth. Right. Everyone who matters is here now. I was so like, why are Karyos and Gorth here? They're the best fucking town guards, and you're going to. I mean, I mean to be fair, that 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 floor is safe. 
I, I mean, I guess I mean, fair enough. All the crocodiles are dead. All the the toads are dead. All the snakes are gone, I think. And the boss is killed. So, yeah, it's 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 fine for a little bit. If next book starts and Karyos and, and Gorth are just tagging along wherever, then I'll have a problem. <laughs> but, <laughs> but right now... Like they they got a year off. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, they're all there, and then let, I, they decide to kill the boss because this yeah. book needs an ending. Um, <laughs> and s- so they dig a hole. No, they just find a yeah. Trap they door. knew about a big trap door that would be big enough for the skeleton to fall into. Um. And then they pour water into it. No. they Well, they start pouring water into it, and then they start pouring ice into yeah. it. And then it turns out Boxo is actually yeah. pouring dry ice into it. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the skeleton quickly goes out, uh, like the flames go out once it falls down there. But because he put dry ice down at the bottom of the hole, it's fucking poisonous to humans to go down there and kill the fucking skeleton. Yeah, because it's... The, the, the key here is it's not colding the fire away. It's not remo- removing heat from the equation. It's removing oxygen, uh, oxygen from the yeah. equation. Because dry ice is just frozen carbon dioxide. So as it thaws, it releases carbon dioxide. So now it's just a giant pit full of carbon dioxide. Which you can't right, breathe. The, the, you would die a horrible, painful, suffocating death. <laughs> Yes, and he. Well, uh, not 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 horrible or, or painful. You would just go to sleep really quickly, because I thought it like put you, your, your lungs on your fire oxy- to breathe straight carbon dioxide. Um, usually, as as you are starved for oxygen, you go to sleep. But I guess maybe it's enough that you you would miss the gradually going to sleep part, and it would go straight to uh, right. nothing. Like, like the whole pit is filled with, and he has no way to tell anybody that it, it's filled with that. So he tricks Lamus into um, hitting him hard enough that on his wheels he will move to the uh, the hole and fall down on top of the skeleton and kill it that way. Yeah, he shows her a dirty mag, and that right, and that throws her off enough to hit her best friend and throw him down into a hole. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is an excellent Yes. <laughs> and then they win, and... Uh, he um, kills the skeleton. Boxo has two coins. Well, and But also, also, once he's down there, they have to get him out, right? But it's still filled with CO2. So he has to do the same trick from earlier, where he fills himself up with balloons and yeah. turns into a cardboard vending machine <laughs> and he floats back up to the top because, you know, oxygen is lighter than carbon dioxide. Yes. <laughs> um, and then that's the end of the book. They have two coins now. So here's here are my thoughts on it. It was very fun to yes. read. I, I loved reading it. Very enjoyable. It was stupider than last book. Yeah. It's less <laughs> well thought out than the first one. Yeah. Um, but still, 
Uh, second best book we've read so far. Like, it just kind of seems like, like the first book, he had all of these ideas about what if the hero in an isekai was a vending machine? Um, and, and like the, the understanding and the love of vending machines really came out in that book. Yeah. And it, this one, this less, one so. less so. It feels like it, it, he used up all of his best ideas in the first one. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I, I looked it up. Balloon vending machines are definitely okay. Thing. I mean, I assumed they were, but, uh, we also had in this one, um, air, uh, and vacuum machines. Yes. So like, like what you'd get at a gas station to either pump your tanks or vacuum out your car. Um, which is how he sucks up the coins. Yeah. Uh, he also had uh, gas, so he could pump gas. Right, I guess a gas uh, station counts as a vending machine. Yeah, <laughs> you put money in and you get well, a service. Like that so one was really stretching the definition yeah. of what a vending machine is. I yeah. agree. <laughs> uh, uh, they did nerf him some. Uh, he he previously was able to just change forms, and then he was that form. Now, any form outside of his standard box, like, he could change the internals of the box, but if he's not just a normal box, then he loses a lot of points really quickly. No, it's that he can only do that for two hours, and then it forces him back. For two hours, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Which, I guess, it didn't come up before, because... He felt weird being in those other forms, so he wouldn't stay in them longer than he needed to. Was the excuse for only learning yeah. this now? Yeah. Uh, so they nerfed him a little bit. There was a. I feel like there was another vending machine form. Uh, you got it. Oh, it was the um the emergency bathroom. Yeah. Um, he can put an emergency bathroom on the side of his box. Um, which... It's it's not quite a porta potty Yeah. But that's the closest thing to it anyone would know. Like, like you, there's a, a seat and there's a hole in the seat and you put a bag in the hole and then you pee or shit into the, the bag... And then you can dispose of the bag. Yeah. yeah. Which I... <clears throat> Which, you know... I guess he gets because he spent money uh, at a vending machine that had one. Like, it's yeah. really stretching the def- uh, the the bounds of his powers. Because at f- uh, in the first book, I thought it was anything he bought at a vending machine, he could purchase. Or, or he could supply to other people, rather. Right? Yeah. But that's not a... This isn't a thing that you purchase because it was free to use. It was put up in response to... I think he implied it was Fukushima. Like the earthquake at Fukushima. Yeah. Um, that was the implied yeah. thing. So that that's not a thing you spend money at. I don't I really like the fact that I, I, I googled emergency bathroom vending machine and the only thing that pops up are pictures of like condom dispensers. Okay. So. Also, you know what? Speaking of that, Shirley only gets a passing mention in this book. 
Yeah, well, I mean, she didn't really feature that much in the right. last one. There was the segment where she was introduced, and then... But... Practically speaking, that right. was it. But if you go to the front of this book, there's the characters section, right? And the characters yeah. they have here are Boxo, Lamus, and Hulami. Makes sense, right? And then they have Shirley, yeah. Director Bear, and Suori. Yeah. It, you'd expect there to be anyone from the Menagerie? Right, you'd expect, like, characters that matter more than Shirley in this book. Um, Captain Carrioil. Vice Captain Filmina, uh, the girl Gorth, Gorth, <laughs> the girl who eats a lot. Yeah, red dress girl. <laughs> red dress girl. Um, I forgot the girl who eats a lot's name. Um, we did finally learn it in this book. Um, just like we learned the twins' names, red and white. Yeah, uh, I don't remember the twins from the. first I think book. they're new. But yeah. Okay. That's what I was thinking, but Shuey wasn't sure if I just her missed it. The Archer girl's name is Shuey, and, and she was in the previous book. Oh. Yeah. No, the menagerie is different than it was before. Um, like, like there yeah. were other people there, and they've been replaced by the twins. Yeah. Or maybe not even replaced. They're just the ones that are with them right now. It's it's not explained completely. Yeah. Um, I thought the twins were fun, though. They call each other red and white, which implies that their names are actually based on their hair color. <laughs> um, or they're just hiding their names, because they could just be, like, ninja spies. Um, because they, they have the skills be. for that. So they could have, like, infiltrated the menagerie of fools as ninja spies... And then yeah. provided the services of ninja spies to the menagerie. Um, yeah, the depth of this, though, uh, doubt <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, all in all, I'd say it's it's worth a read. Uh, if you've read the first one, you might as well read the rest right. of them. Because um, as, as, it's, it's, it's yeah, good. Yeah, and as I learned uh, but, looking at this book, um, there are only three books in this series. Uh I guess it didn't make it very far, so if you're going to read one, you might as well read them all. Yeah. All right, well, uh, we'll have to figure out what, what the next book will be. Um, if you're still looking for, for some weeb shit, uh, tune in next week where we're going to talk about the anime we're going to be watching this oh, season. Oh, thank you for telling me that so that I can actually watch anime th this week. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I mean, that's the thing that's going to happen. I've already watched uh, three episode ones. I've so. just been watching the great Jahi will be undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I should watch some episodes ones. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've got nine episode ones oh, so far. Oh shit! No, there's gonna be more Are than there that, that many because shows? the way of the house husband part two. Oh god. Anyways, yeah. uh, there's, there's, tune in next week for that. Hey, what are you looking forward to for next week? Uh, what am I looking forward to? I'm looking forward to starting my new position at my job. Um, starting, oh, yeah, yeah, starting Wednesday, I go to a, uh, what's called a recoup position where I just, uh, like tape up broken boxes and shit. Um, 
I will not be pushing okay. a broom any longer. I will not be moving around <laughs> so much anymore. Um, it'll be a lot of being in a back corner of the warehouse and being ignored by everybody, which is what I want. Excellent. Yep. I'm glad for you. Uh, what about you, John? What are you looking forward to uh, this week? I am looking forward to uh, watching Way of the House. Okay. Which <laughs> I just learned about. <laughs> I uh, I recently found season one, and I watched all five it's episodes. It's so good. I mean, it's uh, so bad, but it's so it's, good. I mean, it's 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 definitely anime. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Hey, uh, don't forget to uh, rate and subscribe. Please share this with someone who plays basketball. Uh, and we will see you next time. Also, share this with somebody with a crippling love of vending machines. <laughs> if you know anyone like that, please do share like, this. The with friend them. you have. And also, like, tell us, because that's kind of right. weird. <laughs> like, the friend you, that is most likely to be killed by a vending machine, share this with them. <laughs> It could help them. Could it save could their save life. their life. I mean, not 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 this life, but like their life. In <laughs> world. Thanks, everyone. See you next Bye. time. Bye.